Welcome to the Companion Briefing Podcast. It's July 14th, and today we're going to discuss the Loki finale with spoilers. Discuss some of the biggest headlines in the world of sci-fi and the return of Click Click Boom. I'm your host, Tommy Terry Green, and I'm joined, as always, by our editor James Hoare, who is about to attempt another glorious purpose pun. Let's see how he does. Hi, James. Hi, Tommy. And like a kitchen island in handcrafted Italian marble, I am burdened with glorious surface. <laughs> okay. We ended on a high. <laughs> Are you glad you don't have to do any more each week? <laughs> I, I am absolutely delighted. I was, I've been holding Surface back for weeks because I thought I'm really, really going to be grateful for this. So we dropped a, a Week in Geek a couple of days ago, was it? When yeah, did that, that come was, out? Monday? Uh, Monday afternoon. It's been flying into your inboxes. I hope you've been digesting it hungrily. Like piglets in a trough. I actually love it because it takes the pressure off to be on the internet. <laughs> I don't have to worry about missing all the bits, big stuff because it just like comes straight to my inbox now. I don't even have to worry about it. It's just all right there. Because did you ever get that where you're like, oh no, I have to scroll through Twitter one more time just in case something massive happens? <laughs> or is it just me? Oh no, no, it's a full time job. I hate seeing something trending. Because by the time it's trending, it means the story has already peaked. And yeah. the story is very, very hard to to unpick from that point. Like, so why is everyone shouting at this person now? Uh, what we, why are we arguing about spoons on a Tuesday or something like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, anyway, some of the things we're talking about this week. The first one I wanted to bring up is the trailer for the MCU's What If series, which is coming soon, which is right up my street. I love this whole kind of inconsequential, random, fun stuff. It's just like great, fun little one-shot stories. Um, actually, my turn of phrase reminded me that. Do you remember the old Marvel one-shots? They were fun, weren't they? Did they, they, did they stop making those? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, like a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer and all that sort of stuff. Do you remember those? I've, I've, I've no idea what you're talking about, but there is a uh, obviously a proud legacy of throwaway fun in Marvel comics, such as the original. What yes. If and yeah. The original like what that. ifs were always great. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It looks like we've got all the fun stuff coming. I think I'm probably most looking forward to the Peggy Carter, um, Captain Carter, Oh, One. yeah, that looked incredible, the Captain Britain thing. And um, I didn't realise until so this is uh, Chadwick Boseman's last Black Panther performance. Yeah, his voice his voice performance in there is, 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 will be his last one. Um, Tom Holland, in a very Tom Holland fashion, actually came out and said that the What If series will have implications on the MCU. So, so I don't know whether he's, he's confused or whether you know the, the the famous MCU leak of Tom Holland has <laughs> struck again, and actually yeah. there will be something that um, implicates to the cinematic universe timeline at large. I mean, obviously, there's. Now, I wonder well, why that's, if that's why they've not incorporated the Fox movies yet. They're like, oh, we can't risk another Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, it's Nicholas Holt this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, we're going to talk about it when we talk about the Loki finale. But you know, it's no secret that multiverses and all this and that is all going to be a big part of the next phase of of Marvel. So yeah, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that potentially some canon what if stuff leaks over. Um, it's going to be really exciting to see. Actually, another thing that's not on our 
agenda, but something that I wanted to discuss. Did you see the um, Free Guy uh, trailer that was with oh, the reaction with God. Deadpool and Korg? I did. I mean, I just think what I suspect happens is they just let Ryan Reynolds do anything now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any process for signing this stuff off. I think he just does it. It's but it's brilliant. incredible. Like yeah, it's really, really good fun. to make something so weirdly consequential out of a promotional piece for something completely different. Yeah, it's it's really, it's fully, um, you know, Disney marketing takeover now because it's obviously promoting a 20th century studios film with um, a half a former 20th century Fox property and half a, you know, Marvel Studios Disney umbrella property. So it's all it's all coming together now. It's, it's all working in tandem now. So yeah, uh, the film Free Guy looks fine. It looks like a bit of fun. Nothing crazy exciting. I think, is this the first time Taika Waititi and Ryan Reynolds have been together since Green Lantern? Oh, could be. I'm not sure, actually. I think my main thought with Free Guys, it just looks like the Lego movie, like... After Dark or something, or Lego Movie maybe meets like a like a Wreck It Ralph two. You know when uh, was it or was it the first one? When do they go into that that like Grand Theft Auto video game? Is that I think it's the first the one? one? But now I'm confusing it one. with that um, Steven Spielberg film. Uh, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all of that coming together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm no longer able to discern between any of these things. It's Popular culture is just really the the snake eating its own tail at this point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's fun. It's all it's all good fun. I, I'm, I'm, it's fun marketing. It's an interesting way to kind of introduce Deadpool to the MCU. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I mean, it would be so weird if we, we look back on this as a pivotal moment in the history of the MCU. Yeah. And like, people are talking about it as if it was, you know, planned from the get-go. Like, oh, yeah, you know, Phase 4 was always going to begin with... Cork and Deadpool sitting on the sofa. <laughs> Reacting to a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I guess the main thing that you wanted to talk about in particular this week was um, Black Widow, because you've now seen it, is that right? Yeah, I made my, it was my first cinema trip in over a year now, which is quite a weird experience. But Oh um, yeah, because that was, was going to be a question whether you t- did the Disney Plus £20 plunge or whatever it is or whether you, you went out to see it. So yeah, that's great. You got to see it in theatres. Is that where it should be seen? I think so. I mean, I, to be honest, it's where all films should be seen, um, regardless of you know whether it's a big sort of VFX-laden event movie where you need your entire peripheral vision to be filled with explosions or, I don't know, a lovely little Military drama. wives. It's all about the... Um, the, the ritual and the magic of the cinema. I'm, I'm feel like a very, quite a traditionalist in that respect. But I went to Newcastle's Every Man. If you're outside of the Ooh. UK, the Every Man's a lovely little cinema chain. That, um, you know, you get a sofa. They deliver hot food to you. And like the Alamo. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's just so good to be out in the wild again, watching film trailers. And you know, the best thing is to go see the go to the cinema now. Because nobody is advertising in cinemas at the moment, <laughs> so you can just you just straight to the trailers and then 
on with the, on with the film. You don't have to sit through seventeen different car adverts. So, how was the film? Well, I mean, I know I should be better informed than this, but I went into it with zero preconceptions because at no point had I been sitting watching any of the Marvel movies thinking, God, I wonder what happened to Natasha between Civil War and Endgame or something. It's, it, didn't, it didn't feel like a story that needed telling. So the only thing that really hooked me in was the Stranger Things slash Hellboy star slash Lily Allen's husband, David Harbour, was in it. Because I follow him Whoa, on Instagram. Lily where, Allen's husband? Yeah, we'll have to fact check this because it doesn't seem plausible when you say it aloud, does it? I think it was announced on... Because I follow him on Instagram and he's brilliant. I mean, unless this was an Instagram prank. But they got married in Vegas. David Harbour, marriage 2020. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not plausible. When you say it aloud, you think, have I made that up? Yeah, it was a, it was a Vegas wedding. Um, yeah, David Harper. by an Elvis impersonator. There you go. Um, so I'd seen pictures of his Red Guardian outfit, and I I was just, just there for that. And I'd no idea that Kate Shortland was directing it, which is obviously a super interesting pick. I'd somehow missed that Florence Pugh was in it, which again is like super cool. And I think that neatly emphasises the, the difference between the two of us, because those are probably the two things that you're the most interested in from Black Widow. That's all I know about it. <laughs> yeah, whereas all I know about it is David Harbour, who recently married Lily Allen in Las Vegas, is playing a sort of boozy, paunchy Soviet version of Captain America which I was absolutely there for. So it's a, it's a, a lot of fun, but I kind of had a minor existential crisis watching it because, and this is something I've been experiencing with quite a few Marvel movies over the last couple of years, because simultaneously some of the Marvel bits, basically anything with Red Guardian, and there's this amazing running joke, um, about Natasha's kind of sexy superhero hair flick landing. And the bits that weren't Marvel were the best bits. So it was, if, you, if you took the kind of the red and white branding away from it, it was basically a Russian born reboot. It's like a kick-ass super spy tries to escape sinister secret project that created her, which means running across rooftops in multiple continents and, you know, crashing through windows and all sorts of kind of elaborate, violent stunt choreography. Just killing anyone with a pencil or a toaster? Not that I can remember, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But the only... <laughs> the bits that made it a Marvel movie are almost the worst bits about it. And then the bits that made it good if you took away any pre-existing investment in Black Widow or in the, the MCU, I, I don't think you'd come away thinking, like, why have I watched this instead of watching Atomic Blonde again or re-watching Killing Eve or something like that? Um, so, you know, the first two-thirds of this really good, steely action thriller with some Marvel painted on top, but then the final third is pure Marvel, and it's almost really 
bad because the meaty stuff that we've been given to chew on so far becomes really incongruous because it's got these themes of child trafficking, guilt, redemption, abandonment, and it's genuinely affecting for the first two thirds. And then it becomes increasingly difficult to reconcile with the sky base, um, Ray Winston chewing scenery, uh, Taskmaster, who looks like a Camden cyber goth. There's like an army of black widows. It, it's just so difficult to process tonally at that point. It's like a, a death certificate written in a glitter pen. And again, I'm I'm so removed from all the movie hype that when I saw Taskmaster was trending on, I think, Friday or Thursday, I was really excited that the Channel 4 comedy game show had come back. So there we go. Yeah, very different. Yeah. So... I think back to my existential kind of plight, I think prior to Full of Ragnarok, I was really starting to worry that the best that Marvel Studios could do was to simply reskin something we already like. And now the extent to which that's a problem is, you know, entirely down to to the individual view. I'm not going to kind of Martin Scorsese, this is not the death of creativity or anything. Creativity <laughs> has already been like committing seppuku on itself for quite some time there. Um but I'm kind of here for the new and the unexpected, and I didn't really get anything that was new and unexpected. But, you know, to answer the question you haven't asked yet, Florence Pugh is amazing. I didn't even need to ask. <laughs> just, just not quite safe at, one, at this point. And there's a very eerie cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit that's worth worth hearing. Oh, is it better or worse than the one from Pan? Uh, better. Okay, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I probably didn't even need to ask that, did I? <laughs> no, no, I suppose not. Oh, great! I will, I can't wait to check it out, and I'll definitely be checking it out in theaters with my mask on. Um, yeah. So moving into the into the real meat of today's episode, which I've been so giddy and excited to get talking about, um, the Loki finale. What did you think? What are your first initial thoughts? Awesome. Boom, you've got your Kang. You must have been chuffed to bits. Yeah, I was, I was gutted they didn't say it. They, 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 they said everything but it. As soon as they went like, he was going through names and they said Conqueror and I was like, oh. But I just go back Kang. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't say Kang, but um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. I thought it was, I thought it was a really great introduction of the character as well. The nice variant of Kang anyway. Yeah, it, it sort of had a weird kind of Willy Wonka vibe to it, didn't it? Like, oh, you've <laughs> survived all the tests of the factories now yours, Charlie. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you're so right. It was just missing the roly-poly, wasn't it, at the beginning? Yeah. Um, I thought Miss Minutes was terrifying in that episode as well. Yeah, yeah, she really was. Um, tremendous. Um, I loved it, though. I think, I think my, my favourite part of the WandaVision finale was kind of just vision and vision having a conversation about philosophy <laughs> and then the finale was kind of ruined by all the sort of vague cgi flying fight thing that just kind of made no sense and it was very marvel third act syndrome as it's starting to be known as whereas this i was so happy for them just to sit down and have a conversation about everything i think that was kind of exactly what i wanted i just wanted these characters to confront these these questions that the, that have been asked throughout the show you know 
uh, Sylvie can't trust, Loki can't be trusted, you know, all, all these kinds of things all coming together. Uh, that's the perfect finale for me, just like that. Um, obviously, the big reveal that um, there will be a season two, so you'll have to start loading up on your glorious purpose puns again in uh, oh, no, another I year's time. Use another another gimmick because I didn't <laughs> think about that. So, <laughs> listeners, wherever you are, send your glorious purpose puns in. Um, I think for season two, there can be in any language. <laughs> so I'm running out of words. Um, but yeah, the tease for season two was great because it's obviously going to be, you know, a world post Cannes Conquest because that's obviously the beauty of time travel. Um, I keep getting a lost connection to server. Yeah, there, I just got that as well. Reconnected. Let's just keep going. Yeah, reconnect. Brilliant. It's obviously a world post Kang's Conquest, which is great. That's one of the things that you can do with time travel and, you know, one of those things that you can't do anywhere else. But I do hope we actually get to see the Conquest, although, you know, I feel that will be explored in the in the main Avengers movies. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're seeing Kang as the main antagonist in Ant-Man Quadra, Quadramania, whatever it is. Don't yeah, say I'm, it. I'm not going to do my... My my other joke again, the second of my two <laughs> jokes. I'm gonna give it a rest. For Speaking of Ray Winston, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't ignore how like I, I feel as though you, even you must have felt it, despite your natural aversion to Doctor Who. It was a very Doctor Who episode. Like even the Citadel at the end of time could have been the name of a Tom Baker six parter. So kind of like. Uh, sort of existential but a little bit cheesy at the same time and oh, I loved the kind of the similarities between the Citadel and Doctor Strange's brownstone with those circular windows with mm, I thought that as well it's everything's so purposeful I don't know if you've heard this but a friend pointed out to me last week that the colour palette for each episode corresponds with an Infinity Stone an Infinity Stone yeah I did see that yeah. So like last episode, still green for the time stone. And this one's dark blue for the space stone. Yeah, it is interesting. It, it might just be a small, subtle nod rather than anything too deep. But I, I, I did th- find it. Have you been reading? I, my I, I did find it wholly. <laughs> I did find it wholly, wholly satisfying. Um, as both an end and a setup to season two and what's what's next. I just thought it was so much fun. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad Loki's going to stick around for a bit longer because I've, even though he's arced out twice now, <laughs> still, I still yeah. really enjoy this character. And I still really enjoy Tom Hiddleston. So I'm glad he's, he's going to be sticking around for what's coming. And I just can't wait for him to meet up with everyone else now. And I hope yeah. he, he uh, teams up with Mobius again. I, I, I want that bromance back. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was genuinely heartbroken at the end when that was stymied. Like, honestly, he's been, he went through a real misery pinata session, didn't he? He's just found love and then got betrayed. He's kind of lost the war for time already. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that was bleak. My main disappointment, yeah. I've, I think it only came into my head because of watching Korg and Deadpool the night before and then suddenly I'd lost all context for what was realistic and not when the timeline started branching and like the Minutemen all started like mustering and running backwards and forwards I was fully expecting a montage where they kind of 
where animated Minutemen burst into the Spider-Verse universe and then, or like maybe burst into the kind of the Kingbird, Sinner, X-Men universe, or obviously my personal favourite, FX's Legion. I just honestly thought... <laughs> I that knew it. I knew it was coming. Top. I knew you couldn't yeah. go a single week without bringing it up. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> Do- Doctor Who uh, clocked in early this episode, so Legion couldn't be far behind. But I think Legends of Tomorrow, the CW... Um, bento box of nonsense did something quite similar with their crisis and infinite earths they sort of showed you the dc multiverse but that dc multiverse was made up of clips from Zack snyder's justice league or a clip from like doom patrol or a clip from any you know i think small they have adam west's batman in there oh i don't know i can't remember i think they probably did and it would have been the perfect mic drop for like disney to just go yeah do you know what we can do that but we can actually spend money because with disney Warner Brothers, you are like little baby, and that would have been that would have been everything I wanted. So yeah, I mean, if that's my disappointment, and I think my expectation was ridiculous, then we can live with that, can't we? So you got a, a prediction correct with Old Man Loki. I got one correct with Kang. Um, what are your predictions for season two? I guess it's hard to quantify anything because so much is going to change between now and then with what Multiverse of Madness, Ant-Man 2 and Spider-Man No Way Home. Those three at least are going to all deal with the multiverse. I'm sure there's going to be everything between now and then really. Well, maybe not Eternals. I don't know actually. Maybe Shang-Chi and Eternals will touch on some multiverse stuff. I'm not sure. Maybe you can make a prediction there. I'm not sure. Hmm, I don't think there's anything obvious because, as you say, once you start talking about multiverses, anything can happen. But those sorts of stories have always been, in my opinion, Marvel's strength. And I think especially with the, the X-Men, they're obviously the, uh, the, the daddies of the time-travelling alternate universe storyline um i mean there's there's probably more variants of wolverine than there are characters in the entire dc comics pantheon so it's nice to see the mcu kind of step into that we're going to see some some real fun there um so i don't have any meaningful kind of predictions beyond what we've already discussed but what i do have is the finale of the world's only new metal inspired quiz format. Click, click, boom, if you're ready for it. I can't wait. Yeah. Do you want to remind us of the rules? Yeah, well, my mo- my mojo is well and truly back. So the rules. Clickbait comes easily to ethical Morlocks such as myself. We live underground, nibbling on throwaway lines or background details, and we poop out pure fantasy onto your timeline for your consumption. Every episode, I will extrapolate something outlandish and Tommy has to judge whether or not it is passable clickbait, i.e. it looks like something you would see on a clickbait site, but it is obviously bullshit, or boom, it's either too dumb to be real or too realistic to be dumb. Is it beyond the realms of possibility that clickbait site of choice would run this or is it actually quite a sensible prediction of gone full circle those are the the criteria for failure i don't think i've had a failure yet which is either a testament to my powers of persuasion 
or the kind of the ambiguous nature of the rules. Right, so Loki, episode six, we all thought we had Sylvie figured out. But in this episode, she dropped two lines that beg us to reconsider the nature of Loki's new frenemy. Firstly, she tells our Loki that she was pruned before you even existed. Oh, and then she says, I'm not you. Aha, which we're invited to take literally because she's literally not him. He is him. Let's not get sucked into some kind of philosophical whirlpool here. But along with her reluctance to be described as a Loki, I think it means something else. I think it means that she is, she's a Loki archetype, but she is not a Loki in the same way that the others are, presumably. Now, first up, she was pruned before you even existed. Now, we know Loki is 1,054 years old, and obviously it's possible that different Lokis were born at different times. Like, I don't know, unless kid Loki was snatched at an earlier point in his timeline... Um, classic Loki, or as I prefer to call him, Silver Age Loki, was clearly a similar age to our Loki, but taken at a later date. So that tracks. So if she's born at a different time, I think it's most likely that she is not a Loki in, you know, the, almost the genetic sense. Like presumably alligator Loki's dad is an alligator frost giant or something. I think we can all agree that that's definitely definitely the case. <laughs> so, what we know of young Sylvie from that flashback earlier in the series is that Odin, or whoever adopted her, told her she was adopted, unlike Loki. And in our glimpse of young Sylvie being pruned, she's playing with toy Valkyries, a toy Fenrir, and a dragon. Now, if you replace the dragon with Hela from Thor Ragnarok, you basically have the Hela origin story playset available in all good Disney stores. Now, maybe in this case, the dragon was allegorical and represents Hela, but the events are so relatively recent at the time of her childhood that it was remembered in some form. And so obviously, if you cast your mind back to Thor Ragnarok, that whole story had been papered over completely. No one even knew Hello existed. So I think timeline-wise, we're a little bit after that, but not so far after that that everybody's forgotten what took place. Now, in episode three, Sylvie tells Loki that she doesn't remember her mother, in contrast to the close relationship that Loki had with Frigga, which would also explain why Loki's powers are more instinctive, sorry, Sylvie's powers are more instinctive, and also why they're different from Loki's. It might be that she was adopted before Odin married Frigga, because Hela, if you remember, was not Frigga's daughter. I don't think we've established who Hela's mother was. It's a shame they killed Odin before we, we saw out this episode of the Asgardian EastEnders. Like another detail that stuck with me, and the original stuck with me for a completely different reason, is the blanket sharing scene last episode. Now, obviously Loki didn't feel the cold because he was a frost baby. So I just assumed that it was just a cute thing he was doing to, like, you know, get his Mac on. But then I thought, well, Syl if Sylvie was a frost baby too, is she just going along with it? Like, like, why do they both need to pretend to be cold if they both know that a Loki wouldn't be cold? It's because she's not 
a Loki in that sense. She's not the child of a frost giant. So Loki was pretending, but Sylvie wasn't. Because Sylvie doesn't have that sweet, sweet Jotun juice in her system. So to recap, because this is quite a lengthy argument that is deeply immersed in MCU lore, Sylvie is adopted. She's from a time closer to Hela's defeat, because it's still recalled in some form in Asgard. It is most likely before Odin married Frigga, because she hasn't had any tutelage in her magic particularly, and she doesn't have memories of her mother or only glimpses of her mother. She doesn't want to be described as a Loki, perhaps because she isn't a literal Loki. She's not a frost giant raised as an Asgardian. And she was pruned as an infant, implying that her entire existence, rather than any particular action, is a, is TVA DEFCON 1. So, if not Frigga, who is the mother that Sylvie remembers? And why is Sylvie so dangerous? Headline, Ragnarok is back, baby. Sylvie is Hela's daughter. Because, you know, if Odin wouldn't abandon a frost giant baby, he's not going to leave his own granddaughter in hell, is he? Wow. I think, boom. <laughs> you think that's too plausible? I think, yeah, I think there's, I think you could have, uh, I think you've stumbled onto something there. I think that's really, really close to it. Oh my the God. It could be. I don't know if this is a victory or defeat because it's either an amazing prediction or I have failed at click, click, boom. But maybe that's the quiet genius of click, click, boom, because it makes me look really smart either way. Oh, I don't know if I'm really smart, but... I think that's brilliant. I, I really think there's some truth to that. I think it was worth the wait to get there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, you can edit it if you want, dickhead. We get it, James. You're a writer, all right? <laughs> you know words and stuff. We get it. Well... I may have uh, had victory snatched from me. Because I, I know I was starting to, to doubt the silliness of it as well afterwards. Because I was thinking, well, maybe she was adopted by someone else, not Odin. Maybe Odin would want her destroyed as well. But that the setting when she's she's pruned is quite it's big. So it makes yeah. sense if it was the palace. Wow. I'm really into that. I really like that. Well done. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> we'll think, see. I really want to see a Thanos versus Hela fight. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of people that could have defeated Thanos. That you know, if only Thanos had turned up three films earlier. <laughs> Honestly, guys, we spent all this time like putting down Ultron, Hela, Serta. I was going to say Malekith, but I can't remember what he can do. Just got weird-looking henchmen. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm really, really into that prediction. Um, I'm going to have to rewatch everything. Everything now, just to be sure. <laughs> I've not really done an MCU rewatch. I've not done that. I don't really... I've gone back to a couple of them, but I don't... Like, I know a lot of my friends will like watch 20 films in, over like a, a few weeks before a new one comes out, and I just think that sounds exhausting to me. 
Yeah, I don't know who knows who has that kind of time. And I think we told ourselves a lot of lies about the quality of some of the earlier Marvel movies because we were just so happy to see a superhero film. Just no, like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Please make another one. Please make another one, but make it better. Please make another one. I've not gone back to the first Iron Man film, um, probably since Iron Man 2. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I don't know how that holds up. But I, I, I am one of the people that would always say like, oh, that was so good, wasn't it? It was one of the better ones, you know, Iron Man 1. Maybe that's what we should do week by week. We should go through the <laughs> MCU canon so that we don't have to worry about spoilers so much and uh, it could be like a little book club for listeners. Yeah, it could be quite fun. We can uh, reflect on some of the sillier ideas. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, consider that. <laughs> um, a better offer from the internet. Keep begging, yeah. begging for your attention, internet, and you never never answer. So if, if you do have any suggestions or questions, feel free to send them through to tommy at the companion.app and that's all we've got time for this week on the companion briefing unless there's anything else from you james no i am briefinged out between black widow and the loki finale i am high on marvel well consider yourself briefed and i'll see you next week oh that's good that's a new thing you've had your beans you've been briefed (laughs) i've got a catchphrase now too yeah (laughs) What a story arc. 